accents, cats' faces, and bush, all on today's show. Yay! You all painted up for crackhead, huh? <laughs> Halloween ain't till manana. Hello, everybody. We are Just Another Movie Night. I am Scott. And with me, as always, is Joe. I am Joe. Hi, Joe. Hi, Scott. And this is Talking Trash. Talking Trash. Talking Trash, where we go to the bottom depths of all the bad movies in the world. The movies that people either think are complete pieces of shit, so bad it's good, or just completely forgot they exist, while asking the question, is this a bad movie? And what is the worst movie ever made? And today... Since this is Potoween, and we're doing October remakes of horror movies we've never seen before, today we are discussing 1995's Bucket of Blood, a.k.a. Death Salesman. Nope. The Death Artist. The Death... I keep saying <laughs> Insert Death Insert wrong here. <laughs> nice. Fun fact, you're wrong. Uh, a TV movie which is actually a part of Roger, Roger Corman Presents, a television series on Showtime, which we did not know about. Now, basically, what they did was they remade every one of his movies as episodes. So, yeah, this is 1995. It has a 4.9 out of 10 on IMDb by only 500 people. Huh. Okay. Uh, it was directed by Michael McDonald. Some people might know this person as... Little John from Halloween Kills. Michael. You've come home. Yes. Or Stuart on Mad TV. I don't want to. Stuart, come here. Come here. Look what I can do. Yep. Or <laughs> the guard who dies in every Austin Powers films. Uh, this is a remake of a 1959 movie directed by Roger Corman. Starring Dick Miller. He's a bad movie all-star. And I will say that uh, I absolutely love the original movie. Uh, I actually really enjoy this film. And we usually do a thing on uh, the podcast where Joe says the immortal question of why we can't have nice things. This is why we can't have nice things. That's your running gag on the show of recently where you read one-star reviews and ten-star reviews. Well, today is an interesting thing because you couldn't find a one or a ten. Uh, highest review I got was an eight. Lowest I got was a three. Yeah. And there's very little trivia on this. It it, it felt to me like a Tales from the Crypt episode, which is well, it makes sense about the whole Roger Corman thing. Yeah, but before you go too far, the reason I brought up the why we don't why we can't have nice things segment, and since we can't do it because we can't find a one or a ten. I will read a four-star review from Joe Bob Briggs, who said, They hardly changed the flick at all. It's the same god doll movie. That's it? Yep, that's what... That's a review! 
Four stars. Joe Bob says, check, check it, it out. out. Get the fuck out he of here. He probably would say something like, um, <laughs> a beatnik foo. Beatnik foo. The uh, four breasts. Yeah. <laughs> what? Uh, deca- one decapitation. Pl- plaster of Paris foo. <laughs> beatnik foo. Beat- Do we say beatnik foo? I said it. Do we say beat poetry foo? <laughs> yeah, that's beatnik foo. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, we, you guys, we're already joking around because it, it, Joe doesn't remember the original black and white 1959 movie that this is a remake of, but it literally is the same movie. The difference here is that it this one is littered with 1990s all-star yet to be completely famous cast of comedians and that are pretty much like very well-known comedians that hadn't hit yet. Yeah, but we're um also coming off of we're going into the 90s, but then we're coming out of the 80s because we have Anthony Michael Hall and Justine Bateman in this. And they're straight out of the 80s. True, but around... Well, let's all... Let's point out that at this point, and just before this, Anthony Michael Hall was a member of SNL. Okay, that's true. Yes. People forget about that. It's very easy to forget because he was only on one year with Robert Downey Jr. and Randy Quaid and... uh Joan Kuzak, and they were all fired because th- that season was terrible and they tried to pretend like it never happened. But this movie's littered with you know who these people are. It's insane. That's the big difference here because the, uh, the, the movie is shot for shot. I mean, like basically beat for beat. Wow, pun intended, I guess, of oh, the original movie. Oh, I see what you did. Yeah. Here's the difference, though. If you've ever seen Bucket of Blood, Dick Miller bring something to the table it's it's a it's a comedy and well i guess we should say that right off the bat this is a comedy horror film it was always intended to be it was virtually about mocking the beat poetry that was coming out of the 50s roger corman wanted to make a kind of a nod at it and nod at the like the boom of everybody trying to be an artist and just kind of like you steal off of each other and just Oh, I need to be this thing. I need to be. I need to do something, and my my thoughts are what are important. And I think that he wanted to mock that a little bit, and he made that movie. Of course, I'm look. I'm not a a film, you know, analyst of any kind. I'm I'm just a bullshitter that talks trash. So I don't really know if that's what that movie was going for, but that's how I kind of took it, and I really enjoyed it. But like I said, this movie is, again, doing it, but does a 90s version of the 50s beat poetry boom really work? I know in the 90s that there was a huge resurgence of poetry reading and uh, all these different kinds of um, coffee bars opening up with poetry reading and all that kind of stuff. So maybe this would be a little relevant if you saw it in the 90s. Because I know there was, and I had gone to a bunch of these, so I know that this exists. I know that this. Were you a thing. one of those people that sat in the back and and chain smoked and like drank some bourbon? Well, I was probably high as a kite. Wore at the time. a beret and turtleneck and just sat there and smelled your own shit for twenty minutes. Those people. I don't remember smelling my own shit. 
I didn't drink coffee at the time either, but everybody did. Hmm. And you know, someone would say, Harriet, sweet Harriet. <laughs> Jane, get me off this crazy thing oh called love. I'm being very judgy because I don't like, I, I like poetry. Yeah. Obviously, I used to yeah, write used it a to, lot. Everybody to, did when we were kids. Yeah, I used to have my little journals and stuff, and I, I love poetry. But I, I think that some there's like a huge, there's something really like annoying about someone just getting up there and, and like. Are you downing people or poets reading in front of people? No, it, there's poetry and then there's what Stuart did up there in this movie. I call him Stuart. I don't know. His, his Everybody name was is. trying to have a voice. Michael McDonald. Michael the, McDonald. Okay. The actor I don't know what he was doing. Director of this film. And then there was a lady with a puppet. And I'm like, okay, is this? I, I feel like we're on um, like Star Search. You know, like what is happening? This is not. It, it didn't seem like poetry readings to me. It it seemed. Uh, I don't know. It seemed like they were acting in a play. You know? So you've never have been to one of these poetry readings, no. these, uh, these events where you went and kind of brought your little journal and, and thought about going up and talking? No, I would never do that because I didn't have the confidence to do that. Neither did I. Because everything that's in my, my books and stuff, are, it's pretty personal. I remember I went to one of these and it was like, like a lot of the girls in high school were at this. And it was uh, like in a park and it was just in like a little sitting area and it was like a little stage. And all the girls were like really into the fact that I showed up to sit there and act like, I guess, the stuffy asshole that you were saying. Mm-hmm. Which I was really strange because I remember at the time I was like, why are these girls giving me attention? You know, I'm confused. Maybe I was the weird loner and they were like, he gets us. Yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about right there. It's like, I'm so brooding. And I'm just going to sit in the back, put out the vibe that I'm brooding. And, yeah, and that I was can't me. Stand I guess that. I did it's it. Like, I can't take it, okay? Like, there's only one person that's allowed to brood. That's Batman. <laughs> He's the one person? <laughs> and David Boreanaz. What about like Frank Castle? <laughs> David Boreanaz? Nice. <laughs> No, I'm, I'm just saying that it's like there's always so much judginess and, and like, I don't know. I would well, feel like if I've never been to one of those places, so I'm just talking out of my ass and I'm just being a jerk. What about like an art exhibit or like uh, do you, did you have like a friend who was an artist that you kind of like want to support them anywhere of art or nothing? Not, not, not really. Not even music? I, I, well, no. I mean, if you count going to Misfits and Iron Maiden shows. Yeah, I mean, you, and also we have some relatives who are artists and who have created stuff and we've gone to these things and seen it and there isn't there's an air no regardless when a person creates there's a room full of people who are also creative and you know creators who kind of pick each other apart mm-hmm. and that's what we virtually do on here anyways we're picking apart movies yeah this is why this is why it's talking trash and i'm talking trash right now i can't even judge i'm just being it's just kind I'm of being hard, a turd right? right now because I, you know, I really would love to actually go to one of these poetry things. I, but I have this vision in my head that every single place is like that in this movie. You know, where like everyone's just sitting around and just judging you and smoking and drinking whiskey yeah. and just the whole place stinks of just arrogance and stuff. And, Shame. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. You know, like if I read something personal from my heart, I wouldn't want anyone to be judging me. And that's the thing. You would kind of hope for an open 
environment of people who are willing to accept each other and listen to each other. But not it's not even that. I Unfortunately feel like everybody's that, like no. Oh, your shit sucks. Which this movie is kind of talking about and kind of mocking yeah, that's the reality true. of it. Yeah. Which is what I enjoy about the original. It is kind of it does like it is very relevant. I mean, even today, even in like the movie reviewers, you know, if I wrote something and I put it online, you see someone else wrote something, there's always that one person that's gotta come for you. Like I always, disagree, you know, and I and I know true. it's hard because even I read these things and I see people and go, oh, you know, uh, a one star for Fight Club, and I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. I mean, everyone's allowed to have their own opinion, of course, <laughs> or, but I'm just saying, like, I, I feel like, you know, if you go into a place like that, you're putting yourself out there, and you know, some of the things that people write are super personal. It's like, what do you call it? A poetry slam? Is that what they call it? Where they're just like it's almost like a like a rap like they're like rapping almost i don't think that's what it is i mean i've seen stuff on tv that's like that's what they call a poetry slam where they're just like shouting out stuff i mean i think that would be interesting but i would hate to be like you know that person that goes up there and does it i guess and gets, I'm, like trashed up yeah i'm just a coward i get i get sad you know like people are mean to me and i'm just like no oh yeah i mean i think we have the same i think that's why we care about each other so much we understand each other i think we both agree that it's kind of that i don't want to be looked at because i don't want to be judged kind of a feel yeah so i, I don't mean i judge to... myself enough i don't need any other judgments. exactly it, it is it is a crazy thing and but i applaud people who can get up there and, and do oh, that yeah without a doubt you know? I, I i mean if you're getting up there and you're doing that you know you you have my applause but it's just those people that sit in the back and they judge the people that are up there and they, they don't have anything else going on in their life, but they just go to these places so they can just sit there and just scowl at you and yeah. just be a you know judgmental piece of shit. Yeah, but look at Giorgio in the back, isn't he? He's so mysterious, so dark. <laughs> no, he looks like a douche. <laughs> the smoke cloud seems to hug his face in just the right way. Ugh, disgusting. No. Those sunglasses indoor in the dark with the candlelight. So oh, necessary. Those people. The vibe. Those people that wear sunglasses in, inside bars and stuff, it, they're killers. Let's face it. They're all murderers. They have, like, bodies in their closets. Something wrong with that. Why are you wearing sunglasses in a bar? Stop it. Did Giorgio just ordered espresso? <laughs> it's a double latte. A double. Oh, they said something really. A triple no, it's a Americana. Tri- it's a double latte macchiato. That is the word that they. They use. said triple at one point. No, so I thought I was laughing too. Oh, well, if you if you're really that upset, I'll get you a triple. I'll get you a triple. <laughs> you want a trip? Would you like some chamomile tea with your with your espresso shot? It's gonna get you some extra love now in that would tea say like, with some like extra arrogance. What's the What's the new crazy fad? Right, I mean, I know matcha was a little bit popular for a bit, and now I think that's fading. And then remember, turmeric was popular. What's the new one? There's always like a new one. I don't know. There's two words that I hate that people say often. One of them is quinoa. I hate it. Everyone who knows me knows I hate that word. And then everyone who knows me also knows that I hate the word acai. Acai. I hate it. So, it's fun to say though. No. Acai. <laughs> no. 
So what are we here for again? We're here for talking about we're a movie. Just, I, I don't think. know what we're doing with our lives. So we're yeah, supposed to be talking about this movie. This is a remake. So uh, again, I think we've discussed this on the open. The reason we wanted to do this was talking about remakes and how they can be good and how they can be bad and how they can be good. And I think we both agree here, right? Is you take something that's not so good that has room for improvement and you find a new path to bring it. I think Cronenberg has nailed that. A bunch of people have come and nailed that. Mm-hmm. And this movie doesn't do anything different with the material. Doesn't elevate it. Doesn't change it. No. Even for the time period, it doesn't really feel like the time period has changed. The only thing I would say here is little gratuitous things are put in for you know, because it's the '90s and now they can. Yeah, and they probably. But it's not like a. It's not. It doesn't feel like a TV movie because there's so. There's boobs and there's vagina in it. When you say TV, it's a part of a series. Oh, on Showtime. Showtime, yeah. Okay, you're right. So, yeah, it it, it was when they're going to elevate it, what is Roger Corman going to want more than anything else on something called Roger Corman Presents? TNA. Titties. (laughs) Get them titties out. You know, Roger (laughs) Corman loves the breasts, he also loves recycling. So, this show was perfect for him. That's true. I mean, the guy is a legend. Let's just. He is. um, You know. I don't. I mean, I, he's an icon. I don't care if you're a film person. This guy's been doing it forever. Ninety-seven. That is mind blowing. Yep. yep. Is he ninety-seven? I thought he was ninety. No, he is ninety-seven. He is very. How? He is very lucid too. He's on his game. Sharp We're as supposed to see him in uh, in Joe Vegas. Bob's uh, yeah, jamboree soon. So I don't know how the hell they're doing that. I don't know how he's still doing what he's doing. I mean, he's supposed to be a guest there. Yeah, 97. 97. Sharp as a tack. I wish I can ask him about the Fast and the Furious movie. No. That was what I would love. <laughs> Tell me about it, because I guarantee he's got a great story. I think they had to pay him just to use the title. You know what? That's incredible. I think they did. They did, I think. They did. Ouch. That is a remake, the Fast and the Furious well, it's not a remake. Right, or a they reboot. Took, or they, they took a concept and they made it their own. Yeah, the Fast and the did. Furious was originally going to be called Race Wars, which is the worst title idea. And, and then they went like, you know what? I want to call it Fast and the Furious. And they're like, that's already taken by Roger Corman. <laughs> well, by that name. Oh, man. That's incredible. I would love to ask him about that. So anyways, here we are. Bucket of Blood. We're doing a remake. This is an easy one to talk about. If you uh, haven't seen the original movie and you don't want spoilers, we're going to spoil this movie. And it's the exact same movie. Except here, like I said, they found a way to make it even more goofy. Because here, every single comedian is trying to outdo each other. It, it is very, very jarring and strange. It, it is. But did you find this movie to be funny? Because I, I, didn't, I didn't laugh at all. Like there was, no, I mean, I know it was supposed to be like a horror comedy, but there was, I mean, I, I found parts of this movie goofy, but not funny. So yeah, I don't think it did its job. Well, that, I guess that's true too. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I think it's goofy enough that it could give me a laugh, but it's so exact to what I already knew that I couldn't care less. And yeah. I think that's the problem. I don't know if this was somebody's first viewing of this movie without seeing the original. Maybe this would be something a little better for them. 
but as is, I don't know. But let, let's talk through the plot in spoiler fashion as much as we can. Uh, the movie definitely st- takes place, opens, I think, on Shadow Stevens. That's an actor who uh, I know as the voiceover actor in Kentucky Fried Movie, one of my favorite comedies <laughs> of all time. Yeah. The Joy of Sex album comes equipped with Big Jim Slade. Big Jim, former tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs, is outfitted with various whips, chains, and a sexual appetite that will knock your socks off. Big Jim has satisfied women throughout the world, and the capital of Nebraska is Lincoln. Uh, yeah, this guy has the best hair ever. He kind of looks like, uh, w- what's his name from Deadwood? Oh, he does. Ian McShane. Ian McShane? Yeah. But imagine Ian McShane's, on top of Ian McShane's head is like another head. It's like, like llama with, hair. With an entire, like, giant wig on top. Yeah, but you said that wasn't a it's wig. It's really his real hair. He had a mullet with a little ponytail on the back, so it was like the... It was, I don't even know what you call this hair. It was so floofy. And I had to ask you, I said, is this, is this a, a toupee or whatever he's wearing? And you said, no. no I was it's like a, in shock. And then you saw me pictures of him. I'm like, holy shit. He yeah, has he's a, a hair famous on his DJ. Head. And oh my yeah, God. He, he's known for his voice. And he's opening the movie by reading uh, beat poetry. Oh. Can, can you do your best impression of what, what one of these poems sounds like? I walked down the street, and I saw a girl, and her name was Beverly, and then she took me to our house, and we ate some peas. <laughs> it was like a sentence. It was like, <laughs> that's amazing. That's what I got for you. That is, that's basically. Ice, cold as heat, and heat warms the soul, and ice warms my toes, and then across the way, the walk felt. Did you feel it? That's how I would and take that. Right. None it's of it. Also, made... the left. Huh. Huh. That's how you got to hear it. Huh. And that's basically what everybody's doing in the audience. The entire we see the entire cast virtually through this kind of stuff. We kind of meet everybody as they're listening to this nonsense. Swim on, you mortals and muddling maddened souls, and dream of that one bright and sunny island. Some artists will bait a hook and let you bite upon it. Bite hard and die. And everybody's uh, just doing what we're doing. Huh. Yeah. Huh. It literally, it doesn't even, okay. I'm not the foremost authority on this, but this doesn't sound like poetry at all. It sounds like he, they're yelling at the crowd. It, it doesn't, it, they're like spitting out nonsense. It's just nonsense. And it's and when they walk off that stage, it's like they don't even remember what they just said. You no, know? and that's he actually kind of talks about that. This character's name is Maxwell. Mm-hmm. He is being adored by Anthony Michael Hall, who also is an alum of Halloween Kills. <sighs> Why? Because evil dies tonight. Let me tell you something though. We can forgive Anthony Michael Hall for that. He was the worst part of the movie, but we'll forgive him because of his 1980s career. <laughs> I even like him in this stuff. I even like him in this kind of stuff. I mean, he's, I mean, Dick Miller, you can really see like the difference. And when you have an actor who is, can, I don't know, brings a little bit of that, like the worminess. Mm -hmm. Anthony Michael Hall, unfortunately, I don't know what, it's basically just subdued. He's kind of acting a little 
slow. Mm-hmm. But we see him. His name is Walter, and he's a busboy at this this uh, poetry house, uh, whatever the hell you call it, this coffee bar. And we kind of get our characters as he is picking up the dishes from each person. We see a room full of people. One of those people is Justine Bateman, who is famous for the TV show Family Ties, but also a little great sex education video that she made with her brother. Oh, my God. It um, is the creepiest fucking I thing. I can't. Best of the Worst did it? No, right? no? I, I think they might have, yeah. Would, would, if you love me. How can you tell if a guy or a girl is giving you a line? Simple. If the only way you can prove your love is to have sex, it's a line. You would, 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 if you love me. And if the guy or girl says they'll leave you if you won't sleep with them, they're probably not in love with you. This is the kind of person that's going to leave you right after you sleep with them anyway. Yeah, and if you think that this won't happen to you, it probably will. <laughs> you would if you love me. Jesus. Uh, yeah, we, we, we also have the owner of the coffee house, which his name is Leonard, uh, played by Sam Lloyd. He's in some stuff. Uh, Guardians, um, what is it called? Uh, what do I call it? Galaxy Quest. Yeah, Galaxy He's Quest. one of the aliens in Galaxy Quest. Yeah. We see a cop. We see uh, two cops, actually. Yep, two yeah. cops. But we, well, we don't know they're cops right off the bat. No, we only find that out as they walk to the bathroom to secretly go to the stall. By the way, one of them, played by Ken Shearer, uh, I think they say Shriner? No, Ken Shriner. He, he uh, is sucking on a lollipop while he's sitting at the urinal. It's one of the grossest the things thing. I've ever seen. Yeah. You, you know this actor, by the way. He's from, um, the voice of Oliver Queen, Green Arrow, in the Justice League Unlimited this show. This guy, Ken Shriner? Yeah. Oh. He was also in the movie Manhunter. All of these people, by the way, all of these people have appeared on Seinfeld. But yeah, there's like... But we don't know why there's two cops sitting in this beat bar. Yeah. The, no the, idea. Well, we find out um, when they go to the bathroom uh, to talk to each other secretly at the urinal while he's sucking on his lollipop. The other, uh, the other cop is uh, Jesse D. Goins. He is in RoboCop and the Greatest American Hero television show. Huh. I used yeah. to love Greatest American Hero. Yeah, so they're basically what we find out is they're here investigating what they think is a drug ring that is going on. They think that this place is being used to pass drugs. Because why else would these people do these poetry things? They're all insane. At least that's what these two cops are saying. <laughs> I mean, and I think yeah. we kind of agree, yeah. I mean, some of the stuff that these people are saying, it's just absurd. Yeah. We also have a young David Cross uh, dressing throughout this movie insanely. Um, I know that he was probably laughing because he was doing it on purpose. Because everybody's trying to, like, upstage each other. We have uh, a duo called Link and Cuff. One of them is played by Patrick Bristow, who is on Seinfeld, definitely. He's, yeah, he's he's a Technicolor Dreamcoat guy. I believe he's so, because tr- yes. that's my one of my favorite episodes yes, of all time. He's and he's the one, one uh, where Jerry's having lunch, and he's like, how do you know we're not together? Because he was flirting with them. Remember the guy came over that's and gave right. his number? And he's like, right. how do you know we're not together? He's like, I just assumed. <laughs> I love that episode. Kramer's like the pimp. Yeah. You got hookers trying to trick in my car. That's what's going it's on. Such a such a great episode. Uh, we also have uh, Paul Bartel, who is famous for being 
himself in shopping mall and eating Raul. That's just amazing to me. Oh. He, that guy's in all of Roger Corman's movies. Isn't he? I don't think he's in... Yeah, maybe he's in a bunch because he has done a lot of work. Famous. You know what I found out about him? What He gave his body to science. He let the college dissect his body after he died. Oh, my God. Yeah, uh, we also have... He's with uh, Mink Stahl, who is also a... Um, oh, John she is Water a John Waters. All-Star yeah. has been in every single yeah. movie. My favorite bit. She is the woman that Kathleen Turner and Serial Mom keep saying Pussy Willows to. <laughs> oh, man. We also have Will Ferrell in his first appearance with a giant head of hair. Oh, yeah. He, he has got some big hair. Oh, it my looks God. like in Semi-Pro. Didn't he have big hair in Semi-Pro? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It looks just like that. You're right. So, yeah, we see this, and we, we see that Walter, our... Uh, Anthony Michael Hall is like adoring this poetry. And he wants to, you can tell right off the bat, he wants to be this guy. The the guy who's on stage, which is Maxwell. But does he though? Does he just, does he want to be a beat artist or does he just want to be an artist or, or somebody? Does he want to be him or not? I don't know. Here's the thing. I don't think that he wants to be a beat artist. I just think he wants to be something other than a, than a busboy. So no, he he absolutely wants to be him. He admires him. He he has memorized all of his poetry. Mm. He knows it word by word. Okay. And he actually goes up to uh, when he comes off the stage. He gets um, in a group. David crosses with uh, Maxwell, and he basically starts saying his poetry to him. And Maxwell's mad about it. He's like, "No, I don't want to ever repeat myself. You shouldn't want to repeat yourself. You should get better." Just keep expanding, becoming more. It's because he doesn't remember the shit that he just said. Yeah, and <laughs> basically, he's like, uh, "Did I say that? I don't even remember anymore." And David Cross like, "You don't even remember? Wow, man, so cool." Well, we gotta talk about. I liked your rendition of Whoa. David Cross. Uh, yeah. I, we have to talk about one thing here, and that's Justine Bateman. Okay, they gave her this ridiculous Italian accent. What is going on? For no reason. Like, I don't know why they gave her this this accent. It, it, she could have just played herself. Like, did did they do this? So I gotta she re- comes off as like a, one of those highfalutin, you know, yes. hoity-toities. Because it's... that I was expecting her to use her real voice and say that she was doing that as a character. And that was her poetry. Like oh. she does a person, like a persona. I think that would have been worse because then we just go along with all the arrogance that I'm talking but about in this movie. But that's the point. The point is mocking the arrogance of artists. I guess you're right. And the idea of a person not able to create without being, imp- like trying to impress a group. Okay. Like an artist should really just want to make art. Yeah. Something but they love. It seems like... And the, it's about impressing people. She's... Yeah, she's trying to impress people, I see, I think. But, like, the the people on stage, they just don't give a shit. They don't care at all. It, they're just throwing out words. I just think that they're just having some kind of uh, mental breakdown up there. I could see that. Uh, what I love is that uh, Justine Bateman's character, I think Carla. Carla. She... Her thing is that she's trying to be, like, a model. So is she has she? headshots. Okay, no, she's that. Those are her headshots. Yeah, yes. they're headshots. But she's also a fashion artist. That's yeah, well, which she, well, she yeah. was drawing fashion, like you know, 
clothing and stuff on the on her pad on her little drawing pad. So I think that's oh what she was trying god, to do. Oh my god, those are great too. I forgot about yeah. those. But she's showing her headshots off, and they're fucking hilarious. It's just like her sticking her tongue out in one picture. Yeah, so bad. Like that which, was played for laughs. Which uh, Anthony Michael Hall steals. Yeah, because he he actually you can tell like the way he's looking at her. Yeah, he's like into her, um, and she's actually the one of the only ones that work that is like usually hangs out at this club. It's called um, Jabberjaw, and she's the only one that's ever been nice to him. Like he's you know everyone treats him like crap. Everybody treats him like shit, especially because, the owner of the club. Yeah, I and I think it really comes down to Walter wants to fit in. He just wants to belong, and he admires this group because he, I guess, thinks they're cool. Mm -hmm. It's very weird. But like you said, they all talk down to him. So terrible. He steals this because he desperately wants to create art and be like them. So his idea of creating art is to make clay sculptures. So he has bought a lump of clay with his little money and he lives in a basement underneath a woman's house and this woman is like the most stereotypical neighbor of all time she walks around in a muumuu with her hair like she just stuck her finger in a socket she looks like a freaking mess and she's like an old lady and she just walks around in her slippers and her muumuu and just pokes her nose into other people's business it's like the most cliche neighbor of all time and yeah. she just harasses him all the time. Like, just, like, she she comes off as trying to be nice. Like, she offers to, like, cook him some dinner and stuff. Because she knows that he lives in this shithole underneath her apartment building. And there's, like, nothing. He's just got nothing. It's just a dump. Yeah. This actress is actually in a lot of stuff, too. Uh, Juliana McCarthy. She's in Starship Troopers. Frighteners. Oh, okay. Yeah, L.A. Story. Striking distance. <laughs> Jeez. That sounds like a bad movie night movie. We did. We gave it a good four. Uh, the, dis- <laughs> the distinguished gentleman with um, Eddie Murphy. Oh. She was okay. actually on uh, episodes of Deep Space Nine. Yeah. So she he lives in this apartment. She is very nosy. And she's, uh, she, she I you know, you're right. She's nice enough, but she's very noisy, like nosy into his life. Yeah, and it's one of those places where he lives in in the shithole basement, and it's so it's just everything about this situation is a cliche. There's a dog persistently barking outside always. Then he's got a can of beans. That's what he's having for dinner. Well, we have to point out though. She asks him, "Hey, my cat's missing, and if you see him, I want you to give him all of this information." That's one of my favorite. I love that. She's like. Tell him I got a whole fish on the on the stove. I got it all ready for him. Tell him I'm looking for him and I'm waiting for him to come home. Tell and this he, stupid cat that is. I'm he like, has. oh yeah, he's gonna tell him all this information. I this think cat. She says, um, tell tell the cat I have a nice flounder waiting. Yes, I got a nice flounder waiting. <laughs> and then she offers him a bowl of a soup. soup. Yes, <laughs> and she's got a flounder for the fucking cat. I was like, oh my god. So oh. it, that leads into the start of the movie really quick you know he goes into his apartment to make that can of beans you were just about to sit and talk about the the apartment's such a shithole it's just a cliche of an apartment it really is yeah well when he goes to sit down to 
What now? This is I actually thought this bit was funny. You said there was no funny bits. He's got the lump of clay and he's going to create something. And you think maybe he's got a little talent? No, he's got the picture of Carla out, and he's going to craft her out of this big lump of clay. And he cannot. He he keeps focusing on a nose, and he keeps making the giant <laughs> nose. So funny. He keeps smacking it and making a giant oh, nose over man. and over and over again, and he's. You can tell now. He's not talented at all. No, he can't do shit. But we it should be noted that when he was having the conversation with the uh the lady of uh, you know, the nosy neighbor, she in addition to saying that the cat was missing, the um, the super came along and repaired a hole That's that right. was happening in the pipes. So he had to go through the wall and then, you know, fix the pipe and then he sealed up the wall. So she had to tell him that the super was in his office and or in his house and his basement in his or his basement and repaired this piece of equipment or this pipe or whatever. So so there's plaster on his wall. Yeah, there's a giant plastered spot on yeah. the wall. And so he's trying to craft this he <laughs> first of all he has like a comedic lump of clay yes, like yes, it's right. just like okay how can you even make a nose out of this small lump of clay let alone an entire head <laughs> it's so ridiculous well you can make a head he just can't even make her nose he makes like a giant round nose when she doesn't yeah. even have anything close to that like he's struggling like you could tell and i was just like oh man you know he really likes her and he wants to like make her you know oh like lionel richie in the hello video where you know she sculpts his whole face perfect yeah. like it and so he's just he gets pissed off and he's he starts hearing a cat yeah. and so he's like oh my god you know Frankie, polly prissy pants or whatever her name was come out where are you and the cat is in the fucking wall so the super sealed the wall the super must have sealed you up by accident with the cat inside the wall. And so... Do you think that the cat is voiced by your, your guy again? Frank Walker? Yeah. God bless him. Because it, it's like... <laughs> I mean, it's like, oh my God, what is happening with this anyone cat? Anyone could have done that. They don't want to pay him the big bucks to do that. But yeah. It was pretty bad. So, so Anthony Michael Hall goes to get a freaking knife, right? And he's going to cut the plaster so he can get this cat out. Can we talk about the knife? Okay, so this knife is serrated. It looks like one of those knives that your mom used to, like, chop the London broil with. What? It's like serrated. You've seen one of those in real life? Yes, my mother used to chop the... This serrated... It's like both sides. It is a sick-ass weapon. It it used to... My mom used to chop the freaking London broil up with that. I used to watch her. It was a huge-ass knife. It was... On both sides, it was serrated. Yeah. You didn't have one of those in your little no, like, knife always, holder? It's always the top is flat and the bottom is serrated. This knife is serrated on both sides. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my mom had that knife. I, Holy shit, you. this thing is so dangerous. This looking. thing is like, it's bonkers. But like, so so he, he stabs. How do you the, stab it? Because well, it's it's a cutting tool, well, not a stabbing tool. Here's the thing. This, this wall was just recently sealed up, so it's probably not 100% dry yet. That's, that's true. So he slams the goddamn knife through the wall to get Bob the cat Frankie. out, and he stabs the fucking cat. And he goes... <laughs> oh, Frankie. Frankie, are you still there? Frankie? 
but it gets better because after he's like, oh shit, the, his, the knife is still in the wall. He pulls out the plaster and he sees the dead cat and the cat's face the is cat's freaking face amazing. Is incredible. It, imagine, if you will, a, shock, a face of complete and utter shock, but on a cat's face. <laughs> it was amazing. It was like this thing was like, taxidermy like six yeah. seven years ago and remember on large marge like shrieked at uh peewee Pee oh my god it yeah. was kind of like, like that it's like bugging out with its mouth and its eyes bugged out and it is hilarious but like the best part about this scene is the fact that when he pulls the plaster out and sees a dead cat <laughs> the whole like bag of plaster was left inside the hole that's mind blowing. It like okay, so this super this. who doesn't seem to have a freaking brain cell in his skull sealed up the wall with the plaster inside. How does how does one do that? You need to take the plaster out so you can use the plaster to seal the wall. It's one of these guys in the construction. They're just like, what do you want to do with the trash? I'll seal it in the hole. <laughs> our but our friends uh, bought a place and they kept finding stuff. Remember, they uh, the rug was coming up. And it's like a brand new build. They kept the finding exacto knives under there. Everything <laughs> hidden under there. And they have a baby. And I was like, God damn it. I'm glad you guys found it. Yeah. Because it was underneath the rug. And it would we have been like, like, holy a, shit. like a what gauge is... from Pet Cemetery oh thing God. with the knife. The oh. sonar- <laughs> no. Oh my God. That was so dangerous. Now I yeah. play with you. No. So what else is there to do when you find a bag of plaster and a dead cat with a shrieky face? What else do you do? You you plaster the cat. Yeah. What I love though is that he was he manages to take the plaster around the knife away but leave the knife in the cat. And then he plasters over it with the plaster of Paris. It was amazing. So this thing first of all he thinks it looks like a work of art. It looks like it looks like a cat in a full body cast. It kind of looks like in something about Mary where the dog got beat up by Ben Stiller and then they put it in the, the cast. Oh my god, it does. It looks like it's that. It's so funny. But the knife is sticking out of it and it's not plastered over. The no. The knife is just stuck in the cat. Yep. In the plastered cat. So he of naturally brings it to work. Naturally brings it to the the beat poetry club. Yeah. He's like, look what I did. And he says to his boss, hey, hey, look what I did. And the guy's like, why did you have to leave the knife in it? He's like, well, I didn't mean to. Yeah, I didn't mean to. <laughs> he doesn't. Que- the guy doesn't like, question what? this. He's like, what? What do you call this? Uh, stabbed cat? No, dead cat. Was oh, that what it was called? Yes. Dead, dead cat. Dead cat. It could not be more on the nose. I'm like, oh my, this is ridiculous. So he tries to sell this. He has well, to. He the, wants to sell it. Carla sees it and says it is art. Yeah. And then she actually likes it. And she basically talks the boss into putting it up, which he says, we'll split it 50-50, whatever we, we profit we make. So he puts it on display inside the, the cafe. Yeah. And so... <laughs> now, we've got to talk about the two other acts. <laughs> Yeah, it's just like a dead cat <laughs> draped like it's actually sagging from yeah, the knife. It's so funny. And it somehow stands up. Okay. Now we have to talk about the two acts on stage, right? For The, the first one is a woman with a puppet. 
Okay, I, I have a problem with this, first of all, because this is what I'm talking about. She's spewing out some crazy shit. I didn't even understand what she was talking about. She's like, it's not even a puppet. It's like a teddy bear or something. And then she's like, who's going to hold you? And then, me. Who's going to love you? Me. It was so creepy. <laughs> I'm like, I, I, you know what? Just watching her made me feel like I would be that person in the back of the bar that's judging. You know? Even though I hate that and I can't send people that just go to places just so they can sit and judge others. Yeah. I, I would be that person because I would be like trying to figure out like, bitch, what are you doing? What are what you is this? doing? What is this? <laughs> It's like after we watch a David Lynch movie and you're sitting there in the dark and you look at me and go, what the fuck was that? Yes. Yes. I, I, even David Lynch would say that. Yeah, even David Lynch. David Lynch doesn't even understand David Lynch. What the hell? He doesn't. No, he doesn't. He, and I love like, it. I love it all. I feel like he's so, always on right. acid. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, um, I, I love the people watching. And by the way, Link and Cuff, these two... These two they're trying to sell. The, yeah, they're so stupid. They're trying to sell their stuff to the 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 guy who's in shopping mall and everything, and their art is taking photos of roadkill. And then my favorite line is, "Oh, we even do the driving ourselves." That's unreal. I was like, and they show, they show it too. They show the roadkill, which is funny because you would think that these two would end up being like serial killers or something. Because yeah, which is they're already basically that's the joke, right? They're yeah. already serial. They're already like murderers. I mean, but they're not murdering these animals or whatever. They're just taking photos. No, that's the joke. He says, "I even do. We even do the driving ourselves." Oh, I thought that meant that they're driving around looking for it. No, it means they're killing they're them. They're killing these fucking animals. You know what's funny too is that, like, they're so cheery and so yes. like, unassuming that they don't look at all like you would. They, they would be psycho. They shouldn't even be in this bar. One of them dresses like a jock. Yeah, he's got like a hat and a shirt and like a yes. like a shark tooth on a. He looks a like Artie Lang, from like how Artie uh, Lang dresses. You uh, know, like. Okay, yeah, you know, I can like see that. The old school bummy. already land. Yeah, like old school view. Yeah. <laughs> Not like, the new school. Like, kind of like sports nut bummy, kind of. Okay, yeah, I agree with that. I, I was thinking Joe Rogan the whole time. Yeah, there's another. Then we get another one. And this is probably the one that would make Roger Corman the happiest. We have a woman, a muscle-bound man, and a, a butler-like guy. While this woman is doing poetry while getting naked while playing the violin she takes down her top she plays this is her b poetry is the violin playing music and she has a naked muscle man playing the cello of course we don't see his junk but we see her we, boobs yeah and then he gets dressed in a tuxedo shirt a shirt that looks like a tuxedo. Yeah, he gets dressed and she... She decides to get fully naked. ...takes off her entire dress and we have to see all of it and, you know... We get full 1970s Bush. Yeah. Joe's favorite thing to see in movies. I... I It makes me... Like, I, I can't explain how much it makes me want to puke. Especially when there's like a... A giant like cabbage do patch. something about yourself god damn it like t 
take a razor, you know, take a little buzz, do something. Cut that shit. Trim it. It's disgusting. I don't understand women that don't, like, landscape themselves. I mean, at least a runway. Don't do a whole entire, like, Velcro uh, landing pad. I mean, this thing was like... I can't even describe it. it. It's like one of those things that just, it looks like a, a head of hair. I'm like, like a whole head of hair. I'm like, what are you doing with this? Like, doesn't that bother you? It's disgusting. And like, that's got to be popping out all all different ways out of her underwear. I mean, it's just gross. And I'm, I'm going to agree with you too. I hate when they show it. Like, I made a joke that, well, her nipples are out. So is his. I'm like, okay, well, at least her tits are out. And then I, I said both of them. But, yeah, I do agree. Why do we get to see her patch but not his? Right. Like, it, it's like, okay. I'm not, like, begging for it, but I'm, like, saying you might as well. What? Why is it okay for one and not the other? It's so odd. Well, I mean, it, that was how it was a lot in the 80s and 90s and, and like, how would you horror feel, movies. How would you feel if he had a giant, like, afro down there? I'd be sick to my stomach. I think it's disgusting. I think it's well. disgusting. Yeah, like a like it just like carrot top pops out down there. Oh my god, no! I would puke. I think it's gross. If he had that, do something about yourselves. I don't. Have we ever seen that in a movie? Like, have have you seen that in a movie where the guy actually they show the guy and he's hairy as hell down there? I mean, I, we've seen a few things. Really, I'm yeah. trying. To, I'm like, I can't remember that ever what well, about maybe, Vigo? Vigo what, mortensen he was completely nah, flinging around yeah he was flinging around but not uh oh what about kevin bacon and wild things no he's sh- he was shaved he was shaved yeah his bacon was manscaped <laughs> uh but I no know. i was gonna say ken jong oh jesus yeah that, that was crazy I, I mean i just can't you, you just you know do something with yourself it's disgusting take care of the shit yeah just take care of the shit it, it, you cannot have that flying out all areas of your freaking underwear popping out it's gross can you do your impression of justine bateman's carla character hmm no <laughs> it is wild i don't even know what accent she was doing she's like like yeah i don't it felt like it was fake on purpose which i thought they were going to reveal but they didn't but it is really odd it is i i couldn't do it if i tried i'd just make a mockery out of myself but you're doing good walter something like that right? yeah good enough i, I mean, like the cat yeah don't you feel it feel, feel what? what when it's giving off it's a presence Come, take a closer look. Look at the detail. He's so alive, and yet he's so dead. Look at the expression on his face. It it was like bad. It was a bad. Why would they do? And we gotta talk. The poster for this movie seems to be like a very attractive Justin Bateman with like plaster maybe going down. It is nothing well, to do with this movie. I don't recall the, seeing the poster, actually, but I'm going to say that Justine Bateman, she's very beautiful. She, I, I thought she was very pretty in Family Ties. She was in my, one of my movies that I love from the 80s that nobody remembers except me called Satisfaction. The made-for-TV version was called The Girls of Summer. Liam Neeson was in it. Julia Roberts was in it. It was a huge like cast of people, and she was beautiful in that. Mm. And she can sing. 
Yeah. She, I think she was talented. I don't know why she ever left Hollywood. But anyway, that's me getting nerdy with my 80s movies. Um, so, yeah. I want to look up this this movie because the poster you're saying is... Oh, that is... No, that's not Justine Bateman. It, it's like... It looks more like her than other people in this movie. Hmm. Unless it's supposed to be the other woman later on. Yeah. No, that's not her. Wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying it's... It looks like her more than it looks like anybody else from the film. I guess. It could be that she one has, chick. I guess so. It doesn't look like her face a little bit? I mean, um, maybe. I can't tell. It's kind of like too animated. But, you know, Jennifer Coolidge was supposed to be in this movie and I didn't see her. Yeah, I don't know. It says she played Stupid Party Girl or something like that. I don't remember stupid seeing her. Stupid Party Girl? Or Yeah, something like that. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember her seeing her uh, at all in this film. Oh, my God. It says stupid girl. Stupid girl. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was right. What? It, I, it just wasn't party girl, unfortunately. Oh. Stupid girl. That's I don't. Terrible. I don't remember her being in this film. No. Uh, so, yeah. I, everybody. Uh, I think Maxwell, the guy that uh, Walter admires, sees the cat statue and actually digs it. And then he. Vag- he. He goes out of his way to basically promote him. That's where Will Ferrell is in the movie. He basically is looking at it and he's like, this is cool. And he's like, you want to buy it from me? And he's like, I don't got no money, man. You know? But then Maxwell goes on stage and, and hypes it. And everybody freaks out. And this makes Walter a, like kind of a sensation quickly. Mm-hmm. And he gets hounded by everybody in the cafe. Which makes the boss want to send him home. Yeah, he's like, you're distracting everybody from buying drinks. Um, No, he's bringing attention here. So, like, you might want to be nice to him for once. The, the owner of this club is a complete dick. He's awful. He's awful to him. But, like, so he's like, he's, so he sends him home. But before he leaves, he gets, he gets stopped by that woman with the puppet. Who is reading yeah, her, right. if you call it poetry, on stage with the puppet. And she is, like, basically got a mattress strapped to her back. She is, like, all about him. Yeah. She, like, pulls a necklace off of her neck and says, here, you know, create something new. Here's some inspiration inside this necklace, which obviously we know is either LSD or whatever. And so he takes the necklace. And we could tell that one of the two guys that's hanging out in the bar or the club for no reason, the cops, the cops is listening in on this. And so he takes the necklace and and leaves and goes home. And then minutes later, um, the cop is like, he takes the necklace and he opens up the freaking, you know, thing. Well, the cop comes to his house and there's drugs. And he lets him in and the cop goes and gets the necklace and says, there's drugs. But what I love is he goes to Walter. Walter is like unsuspecting. He just is really friendly. And he's like, I'm going to make pancakes. You want some pancakes with me? And he's like, no, I ate too much. And he finds the drugs. And then he says, hey, Walter, you, you're going, the, you're riding the dragon. <laughs> he says like 18 different versions of being a drug how, how addict. How are you able to create this art? Are you riding the dragon? Yeah, he's like, you like chasing the dragon, Walter? Chasing the dragon? Yeah. <laughs> what, do you, what do you mean? Ah, let's cut the crap. Who's supplying the smack? Smack? God damn it, Walter, where you from? The moon? 
Haven't you ever heard of smack, horse, junk, heroin? Oh, I, I have heard of that. I, I've never really seen it, though. I mean, I've heard it's very expensive. <laughs> He's like, I don't know anything about dragons, you know? Like, very he's simple. so naive. He's like, not... He's like, stop it, Walter. You're not that stupid. But he knew when he opened that locket that there was drugs in there. He knew, and he, he like, tasted it. He's like, ugh. Yeah, he, he didn't want he, any. Yeah, and he thinks that Walter is a part of the passing of the drugs. Yeah, because the reason we find out that this cop is, like, stalking the club is because he thinks that these beatniks are, like, you yeah, know, there's, I like, a that. drug operation. So, like, I didn't realize that at first. I wasn't really paying attention to the cops. I was just They had a whole scene in the urinal. Yeah, I'm, well, I was weirded out. It was so crazy. It was, like... The cop is, like, all up on him. And I'm like, first of all, he, he's... You're, like, in his house. Like, you just kind of waltz in, and you're going to take him in for just having a little tiny... It's, like, a minuscule, like... Yeah, and it was clearly not bought. Of, it was clearly given to him. Right, and he saw this transaction happening, and it wasn't even a transaction, but, you know, just back and forth with the two of them he saw it so what are you trying to bust this guy for if you're gonna bust anyone why don't you bust the club owner who you know yeah he has all these people in there doing drugs in his club it was so stupid you're gonna bust this poor innocent bus boy like he's a freaking bus boy like what are you doing so naturally you know walter he gets a little scared and so things get heated, and the cop pulls a freaking gun on him in his own apartment. Yeah. And I'm like, holy shit. He like, says you're going to help me or not, you know? Yeah. And so, obviously, Walter is scared, so he takes a frying pan and clunks a cop in the head and kills him. And guess what is the next piece of art? Well, yeah, I, well there's a lot to this, and it's where the movie actually gets its name, too. Uh, he uh, has to hide the body because his uh, the landlord, the woman owns the house, barges barges right in because she heard noise. She's a nosy bitch. First of all, yeah. there wasn't that much noise. Um, she's just a nosy bitch. So he's able to somehow throw him into some kind of ceiling panel that doesn't make any sense to this uh, area. Yeah. I don't know where the hell he is. It must be the same um, hidden area that the plaster was in because... <laughs> I don't know nice. where it came from. It's like on a ceiling, and she he hides him from her, but his hand falls down, and he's able to get her out of the house. He puts a bucket, which is, it's not even a bucket. It's actually a... It's, a, it's, it's just a pot. It's a giant pot, you know, for, for like pasta. He puts it on the floor, and the blood falls into the pot. Yeah, but it's drips, so the... It's dripping in there. It's bucket of blood. Up. It's a bucket of blood. Which yeah. should have been like, that should have been one of his art pieces. Like it's yeah. a bucket of blood. Like for real. Like, yeah. But then he plasters this guy. <laughs> but like the way he plasters him, it doesn't look like at all like like it would, he would be like a piece of art, you know? Like he's not, he's not like a, a mannequin or anything. He He's actually in a pose. It's weird. Yeah, it's odd. Like, how did you plaster this guy in that pose again? Like, how did you... Yeah, what I like is he plastered his shirt collar up. Yes, he did. <laughs> so he calls over Carla and the owner of the... What is it called? Jibber Jabber? Jabber Jaw. Jabber Jaw. Mm-hmm. Hi there. I'm Jabber Jaw. <laughs> and they come over and they see it and he calls it 
dead man? No, the murdered man. The, the murdered, murdered man. man. And and he this statue is okay, so it's plastered. But the gash in his head, it looks as though like he has a gash where and then he filled in the gash the gash with plaster. So like you could still see that there was a huge gash. Would I mean a regular frying pan do that to someone? It looks like he was chainsawed. Uh, it yeah, was a so it, bit much. I think he hit him, and I, that's a scene too, because I think he hit him not on the flat side, but the side with the line, like the, okay. the top thing. Because later on also when he uh, he turns it, the blood runs out of it. Yeah. It's like he actually hit him, and it went into his skull. I get it, but would it make It was also a cast impact? iron. It is a very strong. Was it? It just looked like a, it was a cast iron frying pan. To it me. was a heavy-ass thing. I know, and I saw it, I was like, that shit would have hurt. Uh, <laughs> like it would have been bad. Well, he plasters him up and br- and brings his um, boss he, over. Yeah, they look at it. They love it. They stay, They basically say, well, he's creeped out by it, the boss. The boss is creeped out. He's, uh, he knows that We know it's why. Odd. Because didn't he already... No, not, not that like, happened, yeah. No? Okay, I don't want to skip ahead. Oh, he, he might have. He yes, actually he might did. have been cleaning, and then he saw the cat. Yes, okay, I am right. So he was cleaning. Everyone had left the club, and he was cleaning up, and he saw a piece of plaster had fallen off of the cat's, like, foot. And so he looked at it, and he was trying to put it back on, and he realized that there was a real cat under there. And so he got freaked out because he's like, oh, my God, I well, think he's using real things. Well, he doesn't know. He doesn't really put it all together until he sees the dead guy. But he sees yeah. the cat, and he goes, all right, Walter. You know, you're coming up with some weird things. Mm-hmm. But then when he sees the man, he's really creeped out. Yeah, really creeped and, out. And uh, Carla's telling him he needs to throw him a, a show. Like a like an art show. So he goes back to the bar, and he is kind of panicking. And then he finally just says, oh, screw it. And he goes to the phone to call Homicide. This is the, the owner of the club. Yeah. He's like, oh, shit, there's mm-hmm. like a dead body. But as he's doing this, a man comes up to him and says, I'll give you a thousand dollars for the cat statue, and he's like, "Leave me alone, I'm busy." And then he says, "What do you want? You want more than that? I'll give you five grand right now." <laughs> Gives him five grand, and then he hangs up the phone and takes that five grand. Yep. And the best part about this is after the owner sees the the actual statue of the dead guy, the murdered man. And they're, he and Carla are about to leave the apartment. He says, here, I have your your half of the money that I got for the cat statue. And he gives him $25. Which Anthony Michael Hall is so excited about. He counts it over and over and he's like, look how much money I made. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, that motherfucker. He is scamming this guy but i'm like why do I, why am i rooting for anthony michael hall anyway why yeah well i mean so far at this point both were accidents okay well i mean yeah i guess you're right he didn't he didn't want to get killed by the cop so he protected himself and it was very excessive he he had a gun on him for no reason this guy is a completely like just an innocent dude he didn't you know he's not he's not a, a crazy person at yeah. this point but you know, whatever. But that was just crazy. So we have to point out that Lincoln Cuff are saying that he's ripping them off by making dead animals. He's like, "What are you gonna do next, dead dog?" <laughs> That's and then they're their like, gig. "They're like murdered man. How original!" 
Yeah. Right. But like you're, you're murderers too. Yeah. This is when he, so basically everybody's seeing it and he's getting extremely popular. So popular that when he got his $25, he hit up a thrift store and dressed up like a douchebag. Oh my God. So he shows up in the club in a silky shirt. Oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. It looks like, um, like he just went down to Miami, like in the, in the 1970s. Nice. And, you know, he was just hitting the clubs down there. Got some sunglasses, and he walked into the place with the sunglasses. And uh, I think someone gave him a cheap cigar. And this is where we introduce to a new character who shows up. It's a woman in a red dress. And everybody's like, hey, I haven't seen you in a long time. Lincoln Cuff are like, hey, this is the new guy. We got to knock him down and peg. She goes, doesn't he work here or something? And he's like, they're like, yeah. Now, Now he's becoming a huge success. He's yeah, well, he said success. he doesn't work there anymore. Yeah, and then she's like, we have to bring him down a peg. So she goes over there to basically bring him down. She and says, she does really bad, too. She's mean to him. Well, it is really mean. Uh, Maxwell's, like, on his side now. His, like, guy, the guy he looked up to is kind of, like, on his side. Yeah. She sits down and she says, hey, uh, I would lo- would you like me to model for you? And he's like, yeah, I would like that. And she goes... $50 an hour. And he's like, oh. And then she's like, you can't afford me. And she's like, you know what? You're a sculptor. You're a fake. And she grabs a piece of cake and she says, why don't you sculpt something out of this? So he's like, I got it. He puts his fingers in the cake and says, how about I make a cake fly? And he just puts it in his mouth and spits it all over her. I mean, first of all, that I was is, like, damn. I mean, if someone ever did that to me, that they would get a punch in the face. I, that that was just gross, but she did deserve it because she's a total shrew. Yeah, she keeps saying she that he's nasty. like fake and not talented, and he's not really a sculptor or an artist or a sculptor or an artist or anything. Uh, it doesn't warrant anything that he does. But yeah, she uh, basically storms out. She she calls him all these names, and he's very upset. He runs out, mm-hmm. but he finds her. In an alley later on, in the dark, walking. Of course, she's walking in the middle of nowhere. In the you know. Yeah, this girl who thinks the world of herself. Yeah. She doesn't have like a personal assistant or a driver or her own car or any of these people with her. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. She's just yeah, walking down a dark alley by herself. It was very cliche. And um, so he apologizes. He's like, "Hey, I just wanted to say I'm sorry about anything that I did to upset you." And she's like, "Fine, you apologize." I think she was just completely unlikable from minute one. And uh, so, you know, he says, I I really want to hire you. So he's going to pay her the money. So she'll come and model for him so he can sculpt her out of this little (laughs) mound of clay. Of course, she gets butt naked for him and sits in a chair and says, that's enough clay. That doesn't look like enough clay. He's like, it's fine. But he's stomping his foot the whole time. And she's like, what are you, nervous? Are you a virgin? And he's like, you're friggin', you're messing me up. And you're totally distracting me, you bitch. Like, shut up. I'm yeah. trying to do something. But we knew that he didn't drag her there for that reason. Yeah. He's definitely going to kill her. He's like, hey, I want you to um, put this scarf around your neck so, it, you know, I can sculpt you with the scarf around your neck. And so she does, and he comes up behind her and chokes her to death. Chokes her to death. And so she's... <laughs> just sitting in this chair and he plasters her in the same exact position in his chair in his chair i was like okay first of all how is that even 
possible. Like now, her body would this? be slumped over. He, you have to see the, this movie just to see the like vision of her and how she she's positioned in the, in the plaster. Like she wasn't like that at all. She would be slumped over. Yeah, it was just ridiculous. Like he he had to put something on her to gloss her to keep her in that position or something. It was just it was jokey. It was really jokey. Yeah, it, it's the plaster her. It is in the chair, slumped over, like you said, with her mouth open and a scarf on it. Yes. Like, hanging out. And he basically brings it to the place as his new sculpture. I don't know how the hell he carried it in there. No, no, he didn't. Because doesn't he say that... Doesn't he have the two um, oh, cuff and link? Uh, he tells... He comes... You're right. He, he tells everybody at the bar, you have to see my new creation. Yeah, now, I was inspired. He's being uh, his his um boss is throwing him an art show in the club, so all these people are there. It's like a huge party, and so they bring in the sculpture of this chick. Well, they all went to his house. That's what you made me remember. Yeah, they went to his house. They, they all went there, Cuff and Link and everybody, and then that's when Cuff and Link are like, "You are a genius. It's incredible." <laughs> and then the uh, the owner of the bar is straight up he murdered that girl last night and everything yeah he knew he knew it he was just like oh my god when as soon as they brought her in and she's like you know all plastered up and you know whatever he's like oh shit yeah and he's trying to he keeps telling him stop doing the peep the things like people and animals he's like do uh abstract art do something crazy different don't keep doing uh actual lifelike things yeah, and Meanwhile, Maxwell's telling him, "Stop telling him to do other things. You're still bringing him down." Yeah, man. and like, but meanwhile, the the other cop that was in the bar, like you know, to try and find out where the drugs are coming from. He's trying to find. He's his partner. trying to find his partner, but they they only mention it for a second. They never go back to it. It's like, okay, your partner is missing. Don't you think that's a little strange that the last place he was was in this bar? Yeah. Like it, he doesn't. They don't even well, mention. I think he says something like he was onto something. Yeah, so whatever. But while Carla is looking at the sculpture of the dead girl, her name is Alice, right? Mm-mm. What are we missing? So they have a big show for him. Yeah. And everybody goes to like the show, like he's famous, and the one guy's scared. Everybody's going to buy his art, he's getting more popular, and the guy wants to throw him a big show. It's just like all the local artists, and that makes Maxwell do a, a throw a party for him and make him the, the person he's like I, I you made me come up with a whole new uh, line of uh, poetry and I'm gonna do it in your honor so he puts him on stage and he gets him drunk and so he reads the poetry and everybody's cheering him and he keeps drinking and the owner comes up to him and he's like you should stop drinking you you might say too much he's like what are you afraid I'm gonna say and he's like, I think you need to move on. You can't keep doing the same stuff. Because he knows he's killing people. Although he's going to make a lot of money, he's worried that he's going to get caught and he's killing people. And he's killing people he knows now. So he's a little afraid. So he's trying to talk him into doing something different. Well, that was a terrible idea because Walter goes out and he decides to kill a the lumber yard guy that's nearby oh with God. a barking dog. I forgot all about that. Yeah, who is a he's another uh, like well-known comedian too. Uh not by like maybe us but I know a lot of people know this uh, this comedian. 
Yeah, he goes to this yum, lum, lumber yard. Uh, this guy's cutting lumber on a uh, the saw, and he decides to start a fight with him by re- doing bo- beat poetry to him, which makes him it was flip so out. Bizarre. Yeah, and the guy's like, "Just get the hell out of here, yeah, man! Like, why alone, are you, you even weirdo? here? Like, it was the weirdest scene ever. Like, why are you in this lumber yard anyway? Like, get out of here!" Yeah. Like, and so he he pretended like he was leaving, and then he saw his freaking head off. <laughs> Yeah, he in, the actor the the comedian's name is Stephen Burrows. Uh, yeah, he uh, he cuts his head off with the saw. And my favorite is the next morning, we see the owner of the club reading the newspaper in front of his place, and it says, "Man's headless torso found at lumber yard, <laughs> heads missing," and he goes. Uh, and right then Walter shows up and he goes with a box and he goes, Hey, you want to see my new art? And he's like, <laughs> Oh Jesus, is that what's in there? And he's like, yeah, look at it. And he whips out a plastered head, screaming head. It and he's amazing. like, Oh my God, please God, leave me alone. Stop it was amazing. Like at that point, like I know that, um, his boss is like making money off of him and stuff, but it's like, dude, you're yeah. like an accessory to murder. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he, he acts, but he still goes along with it to throw him a big show for all the big wigs, and he doesn't give invitations to his normal customers, which is Maxwell, the Lincoln Cuff guy. Mm-hmm. He basically cuts them all out, and he only has real industry people, and he's making a classy joint. So he's like, "Oh, we're gonna make this classy. I'm gonna sell this art," and that's when. Uh, Link and Cuff get kicked out. They actually show up with Maxwell. They like they crash the place and they get kicked out. And the art there's a lot of people in there. And Carla is one of the people who stays behind because the the owner and her are friends. And I think she kind of works there. It's very iffy. They don't really show. They never really there. make a point of telling yeah. us she works there, but she's always there. We don't know who the people who work there are. We never see anybody like see, except the owner and him. But then there's yeah. a woman shows up in a, like in a in a moment here, but. Never really talks. There's no staff at this place. It seems like there, and you think that Carla might be there, but it's not said. She's there, and um, Walter tells her that he's in love with her, and that his dream is to marry her. And Carla's like, "Ah, no, we're friends, and it's not going to be like that." Yeah. And he's like, "Why don't you come and pose for me?" And she's like, "Wow, you really would do that? You want you want me to be one of your sculptures?" And he's like, "Yep." And she's like, "Okay," but before you know, she leaves the club with him. She sees one of his statues, and she sees that the one of the oh, the girl, the that, woman, the woman, her finger is showing, like her real hand is poking through the plaster. And she's yeah. like, "What the fuck?" She's like, "Oh my god." Um, yeah, so she freaks out. But my this is my favorite scene in the movie simply because Carla, who is looking at this like hand, real hand coming through the plaster, she's surrounded by a ton of people. A ton of people. Yeah. And she doesn't scream out, oh my God, there's a real person under there. No, she doesn't do that. She doesn't tell someone at the party. She runs out the door. Yeah. Um. Okay. And he chases her. He chases her. And the whole idea of, like, so the cop is there, the other cop. Well, yeah, two two party goers come over to look at the statue as well. And he goes, what's this? 
it looks like there's art underneath the art. It's the inner, man. Right? And the woman goes, wait a minute. I don't think that's art. I think that's a real finger. Mm-hmm. And he goes, even better. And then the cop hears <laughs> it. And she's like, no, seriously. I think that's a real person under there. Yeah, so- and the cop runs over and he decides to push over his yeah. partner statue. Yes, and his body. And his, he sees this yeah. partner is dead underneath the plaster. Yeah. And he's like, where is it? He's like, uh, there's real bodies in these things. And uh, the owner of the club goes, I didn't know. <laughs> like, okay, first of all, no one asked you, dude. You just yeah. implicated yourself. It's like, what's her face in Magnolia? <laughs> that ain't mine. <laughs> that ain't mine. Uh, so uh, Lincoln Cuff come in and they go, we just saw um, him, Walter, chasing Carla down the street. And he's like, where? And he's like, right out the door. We can show you. And they all run after him. And so now we have, like, it's a mad, mad, mad world. We have all of our cast of characters running down the street, chasing <laughs> so Walter, who they find Carla. Walter has, like, left Carla because he's being chased and ran to his apartment. On the way there, he knocks over the woman that owns the place, locks himself in his room, and takes the bag of plaster and we don't see anything else except we see the mad mad world cast the entire group of this movie running they get to his front door and we have to watch them banging on the front door through the people and then they finally someone hands down a crowbar now by the way this door is not even closed no it's not it's closed clearly at all. You open see. you could just you can open it. Yeah, you can see it's oh, it's already open. And they're all banging on it, and a crowbar comes in, and it gently just touches the door, and it opens. And when they <laughs> open the door, Walter has plastered himself and hung himself somehow. Yeah. And I he's mean, hanging from the ceiling. You can do all those things at once. You can plaster yourself and just jump on a noose and get it done. And then uh, Matt, they said, oh, the Carla goes, oh, Walter, Why? That's odd. She was about to be murdered. Yeah. And also Maxwell says it's his masterpiece. He would have called it Hanging Man. Finn. Finn. I have an to say. An hour and 19 minutes. An hour and 19 minutes of this tale, very long Tales from the Crypt episode. <laughs> it just yeah. feels like it. When, when you said that and I found out that it was a Roger Corman Presents show, that really okay. clicked. I wish I would have known that in the beginning because it would have made the... lesser blow but um (laughs) i feel as though this movie it definitely gave the feel of like i mean aside from you know showing the boobs and you know stuff like that it just gave the feel of like an after school special to me it didn't scream out horror it didn't scream out comedy horror it didn't even scream out comedy it was just dumb when you said tales from the crypt it's perfect it does feel like a tales from the crypt episode yeah it it I think this really comes down to the problem with this movie is not being updated properly, redoing the same exact movie, but not really changing anything to fit anything new. It doesn't feel like it works when you do it this many years later and not change a damn thing. Why why not just keep it the old school then if you're going to remake it like that? Yeah, like that's the way I feel too. And also I... Here's the thing. I feel like we were going backwards in time for some reason. Because 1990, Edward Scissorhands came out. And I remember seeing Edward Scissorhands and I was like, oh my God, Anthony Michael Hall is no longer, you know, Farmer Ted from 16 Candles. He's no longer this 
scrawny ass kid with braces. He looked like a, he bulked up. He looked like a big dude. And yeah, he looked that was completely a 90. different. Yeah, he looked uh, like a jock in that. He was supposed to be the jock. Yeah, he was a jock. However, look at the difference on I am. I'm sorry. Look at the difference on on Google of Edward Scissorhands to this movie. He looked like since this movie was 1995 and Edward Scissorhands was 1990, it looked like he went backwards in time. In 1995, he should have been what he looked like in Edward Scissorhands. But in, in this movie, he was like, you know, he had acne. He looked like a 16-year-old kid. He does look younger. I wonder if this filled earlier. I don't think it was. But I, I also got to ask you, when was Dead the Dead Zone? Because in that, he was buff and ripped, too. Wasn't I mean, that around the end of the 90s? I, I, the Dead Zone? Oh, the television mm, show that he did. Maybe. I feel but, like it definitely was. Yeah. So like I I'm I just... mean I can see that he's acting uh, and he has longer hair here so I can kind of see that he he definitely made himself look a little more nerdy for this movie yeah Dead Zone was two thousand two oh okay but like here's the thing though like that it's something that I I I'm kind of baffled by because I'm looking at in this movie I'm looking at Anthony Michael Hall in like Weird Science. Yeah. He looked exactly like that. He had the same hair. He he was, you know, looked young. He had like, you know, like I said, his face was just younger looking. And in Edward Scissorhands in 1990, he looked like he bulked up. He just got huge. And he looked like a jock. It's like weird. It was weird to watch this. Because I'm like, wait a minute. This is later than that. Yeah. I, it, 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 it was is, jarring. Uh, yeah, it, it does was, feel weird. Uh, but I can see it. I can see that he maybe changed himself up on purpose just for this or something like that. Made himself look a little... Mm-hmm. And maybe the way yeah. he hung himself because he's, you know, acting a little more badass than that. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. I can kind of see it. Yeah, I can kind of see it. I guess you're right. I mean, it, they're two different films, but I just feel like weird. Like, I was... I felt like I was watching, like, a movie from the 80s. So, I don't know. But Interesting. But either way, I, I did not care for this. No, I mean, like I said, it doesn't do anything. When you do a remake, you have to have a purpose. This movie just does not, it misses that mark. It doesn't really hit that idea. Yeah, and we're doing remakes, you know, for the Halloween, in the Halloween spirit. And uh, I wish I'd picked a different one. (laughs) Yeah, so far we're three really misses. Yeah, I'm kind of sad about this because I wanted this to be, like, interesting, but no it wasn't yeah it's we knew going into this we're gonna find if we haven't seen the remakes we know they're gonna be bad yeah you know there's gotta be a reason we've never heard of these or never seen these so yeah what i mean i i like the concept i like the original movie yeah it just there is no reason for this one to exist I know it was for a show, and it, it maybe it was getting people in. And maybe in the '90s, it would have felt a little better. But mm-hmm. this feels like the Vagrant. Oh my God! Which we also did on the show. Yeah, it feels like that. The whole idea of it, the feeling of it, it's very '90s. Yeah, it's it's a it's a strange one. It really is. Um, so yeah, my our questions that we always tackle is: Is this a bad movie? And we're both saying yes, right? Yes. So what would you score this out of ten? I mean, it was, I guess, competent. So I'll give it a four. 
I mean, it didn't have anything really going on. It wasn't very highly entertaining. I was going to go lower. I was shocked that you were going higher. I mean, here's the thing. It wasn't like terribly acted. It wasn't poorly, poorly directed. When you say terribly acted, I I don't know what's going on. There's people in here like David Cross that are like they know they're in a joke. And yeah. it's also Justine Bateman. What the fuck is her choice here? Like, I well, don't even understand see, what that is. here's the thing. I don't know why they told her to do that. Why even but have her do it then? It doesn't make... No. I mean, yeah, it didn't make any sense. They made some really weird decisions in this movie. Um, especially, like, yeah, with the extra people, like David Cross and stuff. Like, it, I mean, I think he's always David Cross. I mean, does he ever act different anyway? It's like... Well, he... We've seen him do other things. I mean, he is pretty much the same. It's like... <laughs> You know, I love David Cross. So I, I, mean, I mean, it's beyond that though. It just you can tell that he's in on the joke that he knows he's in a joke movie. I think they all kind of do, and that's why the acting isn't great. No one's really taking it serious, but it is hard to take yeah, it serious. But, I mean, it wasn't unbearable. Um, you know, like we've seen some movies that are unbearable. We didn't even point out like David Cross sitting next to Justine Bateman. I kept saying she looks like Janine Garofalo. Why didn't they just get Janine Garofalo at the time? They could have literally gotten any actress. Yeah. And it was just the dumbest accent that she was trying so to do. So strange to have her in it, this. It, I She's mean, unrecognizable. It wasn't It wasn't the worst. It was, you know, not as bad as some of the trash that we've seen. It, it's on the low fours, but it's a four. That's All what right. I think. I wanted to give it... I mean, I think you're right. It is... It is the same exact movie, and I do like the original, and it's it's odd to say, but that's why I think I like it least, you know, less than the, you know, the original to a point where it's just down near the bottom, but I'll go with your four. Uh, I, I, fuck it, I'm going to give it a three, I think. Okay, fine. What would you, uh, so now, um, since we started rating these movies that we've been watching recently in order... Yeah. Where is this falling for you right now with the uh, with the list so far, which is Mortal Kombat Annihilation at number one for both of us for the worst movie we've watched since we started doing it? Oh, that still is number one. So worst. is this worse or better than April Fool's Day? Uh, this is worse. This is worse? Yeah. So this is going to be falling to number two. Oh, dang. Okay. Well, we have one more to do, right? Don't we, we actually have two. Um, two more. Okay. So, next up is Carnival of Souls. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's going to be another one. It's going to be like a complete shot-for-shot shot remake. I, I guarantee it. I am a little, I'm a little worried about what that'll be. I don't know. I'm just going to hope for the best. Because I like the original Carnival of Souls. I do a lot, too. I know a lot of people have, like, mocked it a little bit, which is odd. But I like that film. I like it, too. So, whatever. I hope... Well, let's just hope for the best, I guess. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's all I got for you. This movie is not that great, and I. <laughs> it's kind of hard to talk about a movie when we don't even like it that much. Yeah. Well, that's what we do on talking trash. Yeah, it's uh, it's even hard to laugh at it because there's not much good stuff to even joke around about, really. I mean, no. I there, mean, there's I some bits here and one. there, I think but I, I picked a bad one. I should have picked Mask of the Red Death. I be worried. Be a, be scared of all these remakes we're choosing. I know. I am. I don't like, I, I mean, it's hard for me to find a remake that's a horror, you know, remake that's amazing. Because I already have my top 10 and I'm like, you can't touch this. Mm, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, eh, whatever. But that's it. That's all I got. That's, I got nothing else. 
That's that's all. Um, remakes that you want to see? Oh, mm, did I say dolls last week? You, I think you might have mentioned it, but I, I, you can use it. Okay, yeah, that's one. Was it dolls or did you say no. Dolly Dearest? Both. I, I, you know what? I'm gonna go with Dolly Dearest because I think that they could do a, a better version of that now. I would like to see a, a resurrection of House. Oh my God, that's William Cat. You know who he is? Greatest American hero. There you go. We're bringing it back. <laughs> Believe it or not, is that I'm the one? I'm walking yeah. on air. <laughs> Or you could do a Costanza's version. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Leave a message at the beep. <laughs> I'll be over here. I'm me. not home. Is that what it was? <laughs> Believe it, it or not, I'm not, I'm not at yeah, home. <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. I love that. All right, bye, everybody. Have a good one. Why'd you put a knife in it? I didn't mean to. <sighs> Got carried away, huh? I guess I am an artist after all. Never so? Yeah, I wouldn't quit your day job. All that is comes through the eye of the artist. Yeah, don't lose your ear, Van Gogh. Why don't you start with the toilets? <laughs>